Hey guys, it's your boy Ethan. Oh, and I'm Patrick. We started a new Facebook group and we wanted to hop in before the episode and let you know about it. It's facebook.com slash group slash the crunch cast. It's groups. It's groups plural. Crap, slash crap, groups, crap, slash, crap. No, no, no. Keep going. Keep going. Okay, keep going, okay, keep going. okay. Okay. Slash groups slash the crunch cast. We've had a Patreon group for all of our patrons for a long time. And we were thinking everybody deserves to be in a group with us, even if yeah. they don't give us money. Uh, so you could go to that group, hang out with us. It's a new thing. We've already got 80 to a hundred members. Uh, and I'm really excited. Patrick, what are you really excited about for the group? So I'm really excited. First and foremost, I've always wanted memes of, all, oh, of yeah. us. Oh, I yeah. mean, people make some really solid memes. I mean, we got, we got, we got Reagan shout out Reagan. Who's making us bumpers because he is a very talented, uh, pro tools gentleman. And, and we're, we got, we got some people making memes. For instance, uh, Ben in the Patreon group made a joke about how i <laughs> i uh i said the article you sent me was far too long immediately after bragging saying i bragged about how, how i read 100 books. books yeah so get out of here <laughs> i'm full of it essentially and so yeah so you can you can point out ridiculous things that we say on the podcast that we didn't notice you can you can share a laugh with a fellow with a fellow cruncher and who knows we may even we may even set up rooms where you guys can talk to each other over oh. video chat this might be for all of you, Doctor Ethan's dating corner uh, askers. This could be the place where you. This could be it. Where you meet someone like-minded, where you have the most important thing in common, and you're also both Catholic. I didn't want to get so, too close to the mic with that. One. I know. Thank you for doing that. So join the group, Facebook.com/slash/groups/slash/thecrunchcast. It's hard to say all of those things in a hard. row. I just want a big community of people who like the show, and so if you're listening to this and you want to be in a group that we're also in, talk to other people who like the crunch, go and join it right now. It's the link is in the description of this podcast. So you just go, go and do it. It'll be really fun. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the crunch. The only podcast that does whole 31. It's your boy. <laughs> and I'm Patrick. <laughs> Whole 31, for those months that have 31 days. I'm big on whole 28. That's where I'm at. I'm whole 29. You can only do it four years, every four years. Uh-huh. And it's like... I did... It's like a, this week, let me tell you what I did. I did whole one. Uh-huh. I did yesterday. I ate... This is what I ate. For lunch, I had steak. Yeah. And fruit. Okay. For a snack, I had a banana. Nice. For, That's also a fruit. For... <laughs> <laughs> for dinner it's just a curvy fruit none of them are like that um That's fair. for dinner i had spring vegetables uh-huh steak and eggs okay. yeah and i thought wow i'm really gonna do this that wasn't that hard wow, whole 30 whole 30 sounds super easy today for lunch i had if not a little expensive today for lunch i had sushi which yeah canceled That's it right, what it. you don't take into account is the fact that there are other people in your life who want to go out to eat at places that don't fit in with your diet and sometimes yeah that's you just thing. gotta go so i would like to apologize to all my fans out there who were really rooting for me to make it all the way through <laughs> whole 30 and uh all the way to whole 30. until next year you know i'm impressed you started whole 30 on the second on december 2nd <laughs> If you were planning on it, because that's that's like the worst day to start something, because you're like, I already missed. I day wasn't. One. Let me tell you this: I wasn't really trying to start Whole Thirty. 
Yeah, I wanted to cut more carbs out of my diet. I needed to stop eating processed foods, which I'm still doing. Sushi wasn't processed. Those are two different things. I watched a Korean man make this sushi. Like it, I know for a fact where it all came from. You know. Yeah. The port of Katusa. Saw it happen. I saw it happen in front of me, which is why I trusted it. Like it didn't come in a box, like a prepackaged. Like I saw this man lovingly assemble these rolls, Uh, and so, (laughs) you know, that's got to cutting cutting out processed food is. It's a big one. It's a big one, and it's also actually easier than you might think. I mean, I'm I cook from scratch, pretty much every other day. I cook from scratch every other day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> Look at it's, the... it's super. E- what are you trying to say? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm flexing a little bit uh-huh. on I can tell, like I can my tell. my Mexican black bean chili is choice. All right. The other day, although in 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 fairness, I do use canned beans, which is not from scratch per se. You got to grow your beans. Yeah, you got to get those legumes in your in your front yard. Exactly. Um, I did I did enjoy doing keto keto while keto Kalen while I while I did do it. Uh, it's just I knew that it wasn't going to be tenable when I got married because my my wife enjoys toast <laughs> and cereal, and also oatmeal is like so easy to make in the morning. Oatmeal is slaps. Ooh. It's so good. I do oatmeal, peanut butter, banana, a little bit of honey on that bad boy. It's so good. Do you do the prepackaged oatmeals or do you use the Oh, absolutely not. Okay. No, so old-fashioned oats, not steel cut. If you uh if you put them in the microwave in like a bowl that's a little taller, you can heat them for 1 minute at a time so they don't boil over and they're nice and they're nice and, and perfect. I've gotten it down. What's wrong with the steel cut oats? They're harder to cook. You kind of have to soak them for longer. Uh, Another thing you can do is overnight oats, where you mm-hmm. soak the oats overnight, if you'll believe ah. it. And apparently they are pretty good. I do the old-fashioned ones uh, like you do, but I do it for a minute 30 instead of a minute. Oh, interesting. You must have a taller bowl than well, I do. I, my bowls are also not microwave-safe, and I burn the out of my fingers every single day, and that sounded like we cut a word out. No, it's just Patrick it. just stopped. I like. Well, I just like my oats to be really hot. Like I, uh-huh. <laughs> I like to, I like to scald my mouth. Well, the, the microwave the safety experience. of the bowl doesn't affect the the microwave safety of the bowl does not affect the temperature of the oats themselves. It affects the bottom of the bowl because it's made out of ceramic, I think, which means there's like water in it. Like that's the problem. That microwave safe bowls have pockets where there could be air with water in it. And is so, that what that means? I always thought it yeah, just so meant like, that the bowl wouldn't explode if you put it in the microwave. So microwave, microwave unsafe bowl. Like so, what the way a microwave works is it heats the water molecules in, right. in stuff. Oh it yeah, makes them move really fast. Yeah. you're an electrical engineer. I, you already know. You don't this, have to explain and this. You've built to me. a microwave from scratch. I haven't. So uh, yeah, <laughs> then how did you graduate? Okay. Uh, <laughs> but so like the bowl, if the bowl has water molecules in it, from what I understand, mm-hmm. those move fast too, and then they you burn your fingies. But you gotta get you gotta get microwave safe bowls so you don't do that. It's not like what I it's not like what I thought was styrofoam, which is where if you put it in the microwave, it'll melt and give you cancer. Yeah, in what order? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the okay. I think order. I see. I think I said it in the okay, order. Okay, just it's making like, sure. Yeah, you definitely don't get it before the styrofoam melts. That would be that would be really fast. really unfortunate for everyone involved. That's so, faster than the ramen. This is good because now I have a method. Let's say you want to, there's someone you really don't like, but you don't want to ruin their life, but you'd like to yeah. inconvenience them and maybe cause them a little Mildly. a little pain. What you do, sneak into their house, <laughs> find all of their bowls, get a syringe, inject just a little water in there, just a little, a little bit of water, little, little water in, in those bowls, and, uh, and then just laugh as you hear their screams from yards away. 
<laughs> as they as they wake up to make their morning oats. The morning oats. So and they say, "Honey, yeah, we I were... figured out the perfect method. I never burn my fingers. I can't believe we have these <laughs> really safe bowls." Ah, why? The problem was I bought I bought this stack of of bowls that are you know I have I have a set of nicer bowls and plates and a set of less nice bowls and plates right because because you're married sometimes yes because you know you want to use the, the 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 not nice plates for breakfast and lunch you can you know eat quick put it on a surface put the surface on another surface eat off the surface I clean s- the I skip one. the plate altogether in that scenario paper towel or not even dish towel not even that I just put the sandwich on the table. <laughs> I and have I, too much mustard. The table, on the table my... becomes my plate at that point, and I think we need to be more willing to do that. Plates are just tiny tables. That's all. That's what I've been saying for all these years. And I, I bought these little bowls so that I could make oatmeal in the morning. And turns out they're not microwave safe, and they also hurt really bad. <laughs> they're worse than the other kind. Uh, and so I have to grab them at the top mm-hmm. where the the food is not. I'm so. starting to think that none of my bowls are microwave safe because I have to do that every single time. Yeah, none of your bowls are microwave safe. Okay, cool. Yeah. I usually put them on a plate. Yeah, yeah that's what I do, yeah. like a little plate, and then yeah. you carry the plate around. It's kind of Welcome to the crunch, well, where we tell you how to cook food like a college student. Still, so. at the age of 24, <laughs> this is how I'm living. I love I love what you're talking about. But first, I want to go to the hot take time machine and maybe get pull ourselves out of this, this uh, tragic hole that you've dug us. Absolutely. Welcome to the Hot Take Time Machine, the part of the show where Ethan remembers to put the bumper in and we look back at the past via social media. If you have a hot take five years or older, send it in to info at thecrunchcast.com. Patrick, give us, take us, take us on the whirly-durly of your past. Give us the business. Give us the, give the business. business. <laughs> Open the kimono and show me what I need to see. Oh, goodness <laughs> Christ. Okay. So, uh... This comes from 2014, and it was a time hop from four years ago, so it's it's eight years old. No, it's uh, it's ten years old. Yeah, and uh, it's it's from November of 2010. I posted this on Facebook. Brunette. When I grow up, I'll go to Mars. Brown hair. When I grow up, I'll go to Venus. Blonde. When I grow up, I'll go to the sun. Brunette. But you'll burn. Blonde. Don't be stupid. I'll go at night. And I said, I think a blonde wrote this because brown hair and brunette is exactly the same. That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. <laughs> if you Did you write that and did you know? No, I copied and pasted oh, okay. it. And I was like, I think I think a blonde wrote this because brunette and brown. So is the you same did. Thing. You went for the meta joke. I did go for the meta joke. And I, I, I experience I experience a, a, a similar thing every time I go for meta jokes. Like I've complained about this before to you, I think, where I. I posted something about why can't I why can't I do cruise control in zero miles per hour? <laughs> <laughs> um, I posted that on Facebook once. I was like, I tried cruise controlling at zero miles an hour, and my car kept moving. Somebody help! And uh, and my friend was like, it's it it bottoms out. You can't do it past twenty. And then someone was like, that's just called putting it in park. And I was like, yes, folks, I know. We that. know. I know that. <laughs> and then my my friend and then Teresa was like, Patrick, you gotta let him have the joke. Yeah. And I was like, you're right, I do. Um, and I, I, I had, I had that, I had that same experience yesterday. I posted on, I posted on my Instagram story. I was like, I it's call me, call me a battery. Cause I got all A's this semester. 
And uh, before anybody could comment, I, I posted a picture of me. I like did a, I did like a timed photo, and I I went in the corner of my room and I like drew the blinds, like I closed them, and then I like put up my hoodie, and I was like in the corner, and the caption said, "Just found out about D batteries. No one repl- no one texts me for a bit." <laughs> it was pretty good. That is pretty but good. here's the thing: for the next hour, for the next hour, I got people who didn't click to the next photo uh-huh. ready to go. There's C batteries. There's D batteries. Did you know that? And then the ne- after the next screen, everyone was like, there's also C batteries. And I was like, okay, okay there's also 9-volt. What do you want from yes. me? It's a joke. It's a free joke. Take it and leave. <laughs> Here's your free content, you animals. Have you s- That's the thing. <laughs> Nobody's forcing you to watch my joke. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> you, can, you can move on. You can shut okay. this podcast off. You've seen that Vine where the guy's in the battery store, and he's got this, the single, <laughs> no. and he goes, ah. And it's the double, he goes, ah. And then it's the triple, he goes, ah. And then it's the quadruple, and he goes, ah. He just screams in the store. It's Uh. so funny. Uh, That's great. I like... uh, Man, remember Vine when 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 videos on the internet were six seconds long? These kids with their minute-long TikToks, I swear, kids' attention spans keep getting longer and longer. I'm so glad that... uh, (laughs) 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 Who are these kids these days paying attention? They keep they keep paying it. My kids, my kids in my middle school youth group, they just keep looking at me. They're like, "No, go on, keep talking about the hype." Back in my day, back in my day, you'd start talking, and a kid would look down at his phone. These days, kid, 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 kids watching video games for four hours on end, and he won't even come to come to their attention spans are just so, so long. long now. Now like this, you, YouTube videos got longer. YouTube, kids got shorter. YouTube videos got longer. <laughs> Eventually, you're gonna have these one foot tall creatures that can pay attention to something for a hundred hours in a row. That's that's where we're <laughs> they headed. Even, they don't even need to sleep. That's where we're headed, man. This country. They're, everybody's nobody's taking their vitamins because everybody's streaming on Twitch. Yeah, that's exactly where the Flintstones. Doing. All right, we 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 got our way out of that. Okay, so here's here's my tweet. It's de- December fifteenth, two thousand and fifteen. Uh, really aggressive very trademark of this time of my life. I remember how we used to have elf on the shelf as a kid, except the elf was Jesus and the shelf was a cross. Five retweets, 23 likes. I don't like, that. I don't like that either. <laughs> Let me read a different one. <laughs> no, I mean, I like that. No, I like, I like that. You've read it in front of our oh, okay. audience. I don't like that. It exists. I don't like that. It exists either. Uh, it's I was I was opposed to the elf on the shelf or I was an early Oh, I'm so opposed. Early adopter of anti elf on the shelf. But now I'm just seeing this year they're doing Mary on the mantle and everybody like, "Oh, look at this. We've got a Catholic alternative to elf on the shelf." And it's like, "Well, hey, listen. My tweet from December 15th, 2015, I started this a long time ago." Trademark. You ever heard of it? I should have trademarked it. I can't believe I did it. I just didn't Our think like an entrepreneur. <laughs> I just didn't I just didn't rise and grind. No. It's like a moron. What happens if you wake up one day and forget to rise and grind? What if, what if you start? What if you forget to rise, but you just start grinding? Who knows? (laughs) 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 Uh, Patrick, this isn't that kind of podcast. I said nothing. I just looked at you. I know. I don't like that you did. Uh, I don't like Elf on the Shelf. Never have, never will. Do you like Mensch on a bench? What's is that a Jewish thing? Yeah, but the Mensch is German, so it's not. I think it's Yiddish, maybe. Oh, okay. But yeah, it's Mensch on a bench, and it's a guy with a 
You know, because every religion has a December thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every religion has a December thing. Uh, it's uh, it's part of the it's part of the uh, the religion Mad Libs. If you want to start a religion, mm-hmm. there's like a uh, there's a, a a dude from the Middle East who said a thing and wrote a book and then um, ha- established a December holiday. Hmm. Maybe there's one where the Buddhists yeah they all have a December picnic. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of The Crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. Uh Uh-huh. And somebody's got to bring the drinks to the picnic in December. So instead of Elf on the Shelf, you have Buddha on a Kula. Uh, sometimes it's the, when the when when the when the uh, when the Hindu come up with a rhyme for celebrate. Vishnu. I was sitting here thinking of one. You got to come up with Vishnu it. on a tissue. There you go. <laughs> there it is. It's a household item. <laughs> it's a household item. Everybody likes it. <laughs> I was also thinking Krishna on a Kia, but that that, doesn't, that just doesn't, sounds like somebody's name. Yeah, <laughs> Vishnu on a tissue. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, thanks for coming to the topic today. I've been, ever since our, our kind of tour de force last week of architecture and art and all those kinds of things, I've been looking more into articles and been trying to read a bit more, um, just on, I don't know, things that I wouldn't normally look at like normally i'd be like oh i I have some time to read so i'm gonna read a science fiction book you know uh i've put a pause on that for a while and i've been really getting into the uh the deep web and uh, there's just this whole did you know about this there's this whole subculture on the internet and on twitter of people who are like they're entrepreneurs they're bloggers they're all into bitcoin like that it there's just a bunch of people who are making money from the internet somehow and they all seem to know each other yeah you know what i'm talking about yes and it's like i am listening by the way i okay. was pulling up dr ethan's dating corners that's okay and there's there's double pro. there's all these people that i'm finding that have hundreds of thousands of followers on twitter and i'm like that's but and they're all making lots of money from the thing that they're doing online um so i've started following these people reading what they're writing because they're writing about good stuff right there might not all be catholic are you falling down a sales funnel is that what you're telling me it's i don't know what that is but a sales funnel is like a it's like a guy who has a course and like you oh. follow his Instagram because he puts free tips up there and yeah. then you subscribe to his email list and then you, you know. Uh, I might be, but I'm not going to. I'm, it's also just how marketing works. That's like, true. We don't technically have a sales funnel, but I'm not I'm not giving anyone my money. But I, I did find this fascinating article that I want to share with you. Uh, it's it's called Understanding the Blue Church. Uh, it's by this guy named Jordan Hall. Uh, it's on Medium. As in blue team, red team? Um, as in kind of. So it's he's referencing a Reddit art post, but he and then he like builds on it and then talks about his own Never stuff. Idea. I know, but so this idea that the the blue church is 
in the 50s, basically in the second half of the 20th century, there was mass media, and the mass media was controlled by a small number of people, and the result of the mass media was that there was a large social cohesion. Everybody kind of thought about the same things and thought in the same way because everybody was receiving the same kind of media, right? Yeah. So there's this idea of like there are things that are accepted within the doctrine of the blue church, right? Um, And we can think about examples today, but he talks about before, before we jump back into that, he talks, he he does this, this uh, digression where he talks about systems and uh, complexity and control as it relates to like human systems, complex systems. There's this book called Making Things Work, which I might read. Um, it sounds very interesting. So this is the metaphor that really just kicked started this for me because I think it's so fascinating. So imagine you're in a boat, okay, and you're rowing the boat. You've got a paddle. I wanted it to be a bigger boat. I'm, I'm sorry. We, we should have got a bigger boat. <laughs> uh, and you're rowing, but that's difficult, right? That's a challenging. If you've never done, done it before, it's kind of hard to get the timing right. you got to put the paddle in the right way, pull it back the right way, and then pull it out the right way to like really be as efficient as you possibly can be rowing this yeah. boat. But, but you, you got to switch sides. You got to switch sides. But you're a human being. You're very adaptable, right? So you can – we're very good at that kind of thing. Um, let's say you take that and you have two paddles. Okay. Now this is, this is more difficult um, because you have the same – control system quote-unquote like you're still the one doing everything but now you have a whole other factor that you have to worry about and putting the other paddle in at the same time and like when you get them both working at the same time it it works really well it's it's you have that cohesion. Oh, you don't mean like a kayak you mean like a uh, like, like a canoe yeah like a rowboat right you have like you have uh what's the word like coherence it's been synchronized you know it's, it's working well so now let's let's multiply it you got two people in the boat right now there's that's this whole other set of problems of like you're one control system and the other person is another control system. But thankfully, humans are really good at synchronizing between each other. Right. That's why you have marching bands and dancing and all these kinds of things. And you're able to row. You're like with some discussion, you know, you can figure out, all right, this is how we're going to row. This is the problem. Right. If you go from two people to 12 people in the boat. It's really hard for everybody to independently, like, for that group of people to self-organize how they're going to row and do it really, really well. Yeah, you need, like, a guy in the back shouting at them. Exactly, right. So instead of it being 12 individual control systems, you can have one person yelling, row, row, and 12 people working as a unit, and that reduces it down from 12 control systems to two control systems, right? So this Ah. is, I know, right, this is very fascinating stuff. Um, and it's, this is something that like the Greeks and the Romans understood well with like the way that with they, the phalanx, with the phalanx, right. With military, with the ships that they built, with the way that they did infrastructure and all of those with kinds the of modern things. office. Right. What? <laughs> like the, the, um, I was thinking about like the, the divine office. Uh, no, the, the modern office, like, like the, the first thing that people think when they, you know, they start your job is like, oh, who's my boss? Mm, mm-hmm. Who's going to tell me? How, right. Who's going to, who's gonna, who's the guy that's above us? You know, it's like, oh, we need really good managers. Yes. You know, it's like, we need someone who's really good at managing mm-hmm. a bunch of people who are skilled laborers. Right. Yeah. So there's, that's the concept. Assembly line. That's assembly line. Yes. That's what it was. That's the, that was Henry Ford that invented that. Um, yes. There, so there's this concept that we're talking about, right? This idea of systems, synchronicity, complex, reducing things down. So then swing it back to the to the media conversation. Uh, we've talked about this before, but the world 
in between the 1800s and the 1900s, like the difference from 1899 to 1999 is the most stark 100-year difference in the history of the world, without a doubt. That's right? huge. Yeah. It's huge. I wasn't there in the first part. That's true. I know. When Patrick Nevy was born in 1999. Boom. 97? Nin- okay, yeah. I don't know when you were born. How old are you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll never tell. <laughs> you look you look much older than me because of your uh visage yeah i need to update what? my, my <laughs> linkedin profile because i have a beard now and i look like a uh-huh. baby boy in my old linkedin profile anyway so uh the difference between the 1800s and the 1900s is probably an extra five or six billion people on the earth um you went from walking everywhere and taking horses everywhere uh and maybe some trains to the automobile, the plane. Um, you went from letters to telegram and radio and TV. Instagram messaging. Instagram no, messaging. 1999. <laughs> yeah, all of this stuff, right? That's just a, There's lots of really big shifts that happened that made the world more complex. It was a much more complex system than it was before. So specifically when we're talking about media, you went from having – uh, when you're talking about the broadcast, the mass media of the, the 40s, 50s, 60s, um, throughout most of the, the 20th century, you have a that's, that simple system of you've got someone in charge who's speaking on the TV and a bunch of people who are listening who are saying, yes, I'm, I'm hearing this and I'm agreeing with it. And that's what creates kind of this social cohesion that is when we look back on the American culture in the, in those times or like, Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Like why everybody got along in the fifties, why everybody got along in the fifties. There were still race problems. You, I'm speaking generally. Um, but you had, you know, 70% of American TVs tuning into I love Lucy every single week. 70% of Americans were watching the same thing every week. That's insane. Which is crazy to think about. That I don't even think that happened. That doesn't even happen with the Super Bowl. No. Um, but there's, when we're thinking about this, I just, let me, let me get my brain right. There it's, it's asymmetrical, right? It's, it's one person to lots and lots and lots of people. Um, and I think you can see the problem and the degradation of like, what is good about that system over the past 30 years, right? What was good about that system was that there was a manageable social order with the mass communication, right? Because before, when you didn't have mass communication, you only had to manage the social order on a very small scale and you left that with subsidiarity. You like left that up to whoever's in that particular town or in that particular city or in that particular state. And like they manage themselves, you know? But with mass media, the world gets bigger with all these things, you have to have somebody to manage the social order, right? And so you pick Walter Cronkite, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm just making up people like whoever's on NBC, whoever's on ABC, whoever's on, I love Lucy, whoever's on mash, whoever's on like all these things that everybody would watch and tune into. And you see that as TV got more diverse, right? As radio got more diverse and then you have the internet cropping up, you know, kind of at the turn of the century then you lose that social cohesion, right? You lose that social order. And so now you have the the blue church, as it were, struggling to hold on because a lot of things were, they made a lot of sense, you know, like they're, they're and, and we still see that, like if you walk up to anybody and you start talking about how 
um, like something that's against what the popular belief is. You know, if you start talking against gay marriage or whatever, then like you're going to pretty quickly get like shut out of the group, you know, because it used to be that when you're in a group setting like that, you, your, your, your matingness, what is that? Your mating potential was based on how well you fit in with that social order, right? Like if you knew what happened on the I Love Lucy the night before, if you agreed with what the news was saying about a certain situation and because it was mm-hmm. so homogenized and there weren't that many other opinions, like if you didn't agree with that, you actually were kind of weird because like, where are you getting that opinion from? Where is that coming from? Oh, you're the Unabomber. That's crazy. <laughs> um, but now like the, the, the media moguls and the, the, the blue church as it were is like losing kind of the grasp on the social order that it had before because of the internet, because of how there's, there's millions and millions and millions and billions of places to get information now. That's not, it's not the, the two control systems like it was before with the, the person in charge and everybody listening to them. It's like me and whoever I choose to listen to that day, plus a hundred other people that I might choose to listen to. Um, and so when I was reading this, like we can all understand this to, to, uh, to a certain degree, Right. This is what helps us run a modernist society. This isn't working as well. And so our society is seeing a lot of breakdown in a lot of areas, family life, political life, all kinds of things, racial tensions, all that stuff is all a result of this partially. My thought is that the Catholic Church offers the one and only answer to this problem. Um, but before we get into that, I just wanted to hear if you had any any thoughts. I think both of those things are bad. The Catholic Church? No, 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 no. Okay. The Catholic Church is awesome. Love that. Thing. Yeah. Uh, love that body of anyway I think that both of those the the thing you talked about the 50s and the thing you talked about now Mm -hmm. I think both of these things are bad yes yeah I think I think that the homogenized like every 70% of Americans share the same opinion I was listening to a history podcast as I am wont to do and the guy was talking about how radical of a change Vietnam was as compared to other eras of history and he talked about how it's strange how vietnam feels like recent history and world war ii feels like ancient history Mm -hmm. in our in our in our minds Mm -hmm. and he said part of that is because we have color photos you know it just feels different when you can see the red of the blood you know but also the distrust in the quote-unquote establishment Mm -hmm. broke down in the Vietnam era with the inflation of numbers, the false reports and all of that stuff and the protests that rightly happened. And then, you know, the sixties and all that stuff, the, the breakdown of the social order happened. I think, I think the internet was just the way the internet works now is just the, that playing out on a larger scale. Everyone, instead of one source of opinions, you literally have everyone as a source of an opinion mm-hmm. and it's a democratized opinion where Whoever has the best one or the most agreed with one or the most outrageous one gets the most attention. And I don't, I don't, I don't think that, I think that uh, blaming everything on the internet is a little trite, but it, it's one of the many factors that has led to the, to the breakdown. Yeah. And something you mentioned, something you mentioned is the subsidiarity that used to exist Mm -hmm. when there was no mass communication. Right was if there was corruption in a newspaper in Topeka, right? <laughs> that got dealt with by Topekans. Mm-hmm. 
you know the Topikachus. that's who dealt with it yeah and that's what you call those guys right yeah yeah and now it's the local topeka times the topeka daily review is owned by a like a it's owned by a subsidiary of the Chicago Sun Tribune, mm-hmm. which is a merger of two other newspapers. You know, it's this which this is owned by NBC, yeah, <laughs> or something. Which is owned by Comcast, yeah, which is owned, Viacom, you know, and so whoever. and you have all this, you have all these insane conglomerations, and like we we always say, oh no, oh no, it's all gonna it's all gonna get bought by Disney, and Disney is gonna own everything, and that's a really cute theory, but it's not, and that's still bad. Like it's still. It's it's not it's not like this is the this is the hot take of of the of the year is that the way that the way that companies buy each other is going to end up a little bit better than just straight up socialism where like one guy on top where like one organization controls everything and they're like pulling all the levers of the economy on the other hand you just have three guys pulling the levers and it's like Bill Gates uh, whoever runs Apple, Tim Apple, and uh, and and Jeff Bezos, you know, and that's like that's like the whole thing that G.K. Chesterton and Belloc were talking about and warned us about, and we just didn't listen because they were British. What did they know? And the same thing happens with information. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, that was what I was getting at. Yeah. It's, it's the money flows and the information flows from the top down, which is not how it's supposed to be. Um, we should sell. We should sell. Uh, t-shirts that say it's called subsidiarity look it up i think that's you can have one that says it's called subsidiary look it up and i can have one that says it's all about communication baby and <laughs> uh that'll be that'll be perfect so the i i agree with all of those things and i want to want to move kind of in this like in this more direction of like thinking about the culture and thinking about how the media affects the culture um, you, you know it's funny before you move on i literally had a conversation with an advertiser yesterday and he asked me if we were a controversial podcast are we and i was like <laughs> uh i depends on I his listening i think it would be self <laughs> i was like i think it would be self-serving for me to say yes so i'm just gonna say no because it's like i was like what do you mean by controversial and he was like well we had to pull an advertiser uh from we had to pull an advertisement from a show that was entitled uh, "Why Feminism Sucks," and I was like, "Ah, oh, oh. well, we would never say that." Well, we would, but we would say we would say third wave feminism sucks. Yeah, but we wouldn't just we wouldn't just title the, the episode, episode and try to trigger the snowflakes like that. You yeah, know? Uh, we we believe in everything that the Holy Roman Catholic Church believes. If that's controversial, I don't really care. That'll get you killed somewhere. That, it, but not here. It will. Thank God. So. The the problem with the blue church, the problem with the this one-way communication is that it results in the the social reinforcement that we were talking about, like I'm only going to mate with people that, you know, believe in everything that believes. It also creates this echo chamber that we see all the time. That's why I was thinking about with the, the Me Too movement and the cancel culture and all those things. It's like because there's such a harsh echo chamber, um, I'm sure more people have gotten canceled than deserve it. I'm also sure that plenty of people have gotten canceled that did deserve it. Uh, this is not here. To, I'm not here to judge the quality of yeah. the canceling. I'm saying it happens because there is an echo chamber and you can, you, there's room right within the range of good opinions. It's just not very wide. If you want to be a member of like the, the blue church, you know, if you want to stay, kind of in the clear you know about all these things it's like you can like taylor swift 
or you can like do a lipa i don't know i don't uh, know what that is but <laughs> never mind uh well, i was gonna say lizzo gotta be lizzo yeah that's a that's a hip reference right is she still making yeah. music probably all right great you can like taylor swift you can like lizzo but you know you can't you can't go too far you can't say that you listen to alex jones you know because then if you do it's like oh that's a that's that's not good so the problem is is that the the masses decide kind of subconsciously but also as a result of the echo chamber who gets attention from the society right and we have become obsessed with the idea of like this person has attention therefore they must have something to say right they must be interesting they must have some kind of something to contribute to the whole of society and we have no real interest whether or not it's like actually deserved you know like just because a bunch of people are paying attention to kim kardashian doesn't mean that like she deserves all the attention that she's getting you know um and i think that is just this idea of like if you're on camera then you're more trustworthy that was what we were talking about with trump right like that's why he he got so much probably why why he run the presidency is because he was on camera so much everybody was paying attention so people believed that he had something good to say did you know that did you know that donald trump had a regular recurring segment on fox and friends from 2012 until he announced his candidacy what do you oh did he really he really yeah he did he had a call-in segment on fox and friends from 2012 until 2016 i mean he's a genius it is such a long con or no sorry it was i think it was 2010 yeah because it was before he was planning on running in 2012 and then obviously didn't mm-hmm. um like there there was no way he could have beaten Barack Obama like that's insane no 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 no, no. um but i don't even know anything about <laughs> political campaigns i knew that but i i i like what you're saying about the blue church mm-hmm. that being said i was reading this book oh and in and this is what this is what concerns me about the the coming administration not about the administration itself but the reaction i mean what happened post george bush with the obama administration became it the the radical reaction from the red church if you will the the, the red religion as it's entitled in this blog Oh, okay. The, the blue the church, church and the, and the red, red religion. religion. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I like this. I like blue team, red team. I think it's fun. Mm-hmm. It makes it feel like it's a little game show. Oh, yeah. Where, you know. Where it's like Steve Harvey like is going to come out this... and say, red team, do you want, what does a red team like to do? What know. are what are 10 things that you don't want to find in your grandma's bedroom? And then he like freaks out when someone says, says, naked grandma. Naked grandma. Uh, but yeah, so it, okay, so at least at least we're calling out the red team too, because you got to do both. Oh yeah, you know you can't you can't, otherwise you're slanted. And so, I, I think this is the problem that this is the reactionary thing that we're talking about is like, the the after after Obama won the 2012 election, according to this book that I'm reading, and like based on my memory of the incident, it was the the anti the anti democratic like a sentiment in on the right was insane. It was it was almost it was almost like too much and and it the the racial and sexist overtones were undertones became overtones mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. I mean Bill O'Reilly released a book called Pinheads and Patriots where he put literally himself versus Barack Obama on the cover like that's just I mean how divisive can you possibly be pretty how divisive. much more you can't be more divisive than that yeah. and like 
the the reaction got us it, it kind of like it kind of it, it was it was this it was this like pressure cooker and all of the anger from the other team got really really big and it caused massive swing in the other direction mm-hmm. and then it turns out they didn't need to take another eight years to fester because the blue team has been you know rallying this whole time like the whole thing the whole four years has been how are we going to get them out yeah and then now the la- the last the last month literally it's been a month now has only been how are we going to stop him from getting in and it's like they're every both teams are on defense mm-hmm. and it's like it's just and you know what they the best defense is a good offense guys everybody knows that <laughs> everybody from Bill Belichick down to my dad knows that okay did I get that right yeah Bill Belichick who, is that who does he coach for the Tennessee Wolverines mm-hmm. very good. Uh, I, I agree with you. Um, my dad's a great coach, by the way. Shout out my dad. Shout out my dad. Uh, I agree with you. I do think that when we talk in terms of like something that structurally exists, like I do think that like the media narrative control, like is still much more present in everyday life from like the blue side of things. Like, the the today show and msnbc and abc and cbs mm-hmm. like all of that stuff like all of the the stuff that your mom watches in the morning as she's getting ready for work all of that is a part of the blue church you know like all of that leans that direction unless for whatever my reason. mom doesn't have time i know well mine doesn't either <laughs> she'll hear me say that yeah yeah but i i so i think that there's like a bit more for whatever reason the red the red team is still a bit more underground quote unquote because they're mm. they're coming up against like this this thing that's been in existence since mass media existed, you know. So like that's why you get a lot yeah. of the the people on the reds the red team saying, "Oh, we got to fight the power, we got to drain the swamp, we got to come up and and do all of these things." But yeah, but the blue team has always been saying the same thing, right? I, but I, that's I don't, a tactic. I, I think at the same at the same someone someone they have all the power, TikTok they have all the money. You know, you know how like how how Antifa. I but I mean the 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 companies have money mm-hmm. and like they pay the politicians. And I don't think they care. Yeah. They just you know they care it's about true. who's going to regulate. And here's the thing: big companies want stricter regulations because they can pay for regulations. Their comp their their small business competition can't. Mm-hmm. So we think that we think that government regulation on the left is actually the antagonist of the companies, but it's not. I mean, you see rich Democrats all the time. Oh yeah, you know, um, and so. I think, I think something that this article might be missing, and correct me if it isn't. I don't know. But I read it once. Okay, cool. I, I was watching this TikTok, and you oh, know, TikTok put up put up your TikTok well. against my article. Let's see how no, this goes. It's not. We're not. I'm not citing the TikTok. <laughs> okay, I'm citing. Gotcha, a, gotcha. A, I'm citing a, the, an observation from the TikTok. Mm. This guy with like a very red beard. That's all I remember. Was talking about the the signs of fascism. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was very obviously pointed at Donald Trump. And he was talking about how the there's co- the cognitive dissonance of fascism is simultaneously building up your own power while co- constantly calling yourself very powerful, but also saying that your opponent is too powerful and you're never going to win. Right, right, right. Uh, and I was like, that's that's a that's a good point. I, I I remember that from 2016, but I also remember that from 2016 from the blue team. Mm-hmm. Because that was that was you know in the final days that was Clinton's strategy. She was like, "We got to get people out because I'm the only one who can beat Donald Trump." Mm-hmm. That was that was and it's like it's like we're so powerful, 
but also the other side is too powerful. And and right. I think I think maybe you're right. Maybe the the maybe the media was left leaning from the beginning, and that's why maybe the red team started. Yeah, started this whole thing. That, but that I'm gonna end be, it. That angle might be a result of like the the collapse of like the church, the blue church. You know, like that. Gotcha. Like the the both sides saying they're too powerful, and I you have to support me to beat the other guy. Like I think that's that's a result yeah. of like because if. If let's pretend, right? If the if the blue church was still in place and Hillary ran against Donald Trump in nineteen seventy, you know, like there would be no need for that and Hillary would just run and then win. Like the, and there wouldn't really be any concern about like, oh, how am I gonna beat this upstart guy? You know, it would just be mm-hmm. like, I've got all the power behind me, got all the media behind me, here I go, and it's going great. And I think the fact that Hillary didn't win in 2016 um, is evidence of like the decline of this reality. And, and I think the, the 2020 election and just everything that's happened is all evidence of like the decline of all of these things, which is why. So this is what I really wanted to connect it to. It's like the politics are important, but there's a deeper reality here about culture and about the spirit of the nation that I want to get into of we're, we're losing it for, for better or for worse. Um, the social cohesion existed and it no longer exists. You kn- yeah. you're, you're, you're now scared to talk about things. You can't bring up I Love Lucy at the barbershop anymore because nobody's, nobody's watching the same stuff. Nobody's consuming the same things. Nobody's really on the same page about anything. Even if you have a, a 25-year-old Republican, right, and he goes to the barbershop and he sits down next to an 80-year-old Republican, they're going to be very different and they're not going to have yeah. like the any really – a lot of things that are going to unite them maybe you know it still might be one might be way more radical than the other it, there's there's no cohesion there um and so we're scared to talk about these things because we've lost that and we all sense that we've lost it um and i think that that is is scary because of how complex going back to the idea of systems because of how complex the country has gotten with all of the travel all of the media all of the internet all of the everything it's no longer as simple as it used to be um, and so the article argues we have no idea how to manage this more complex system because we're trying to use an old technique to manage a new system and it's not working. Like the blue church was meant to manage something different than what it is now. Like it's, it's not going to work mm-hmm. for, it's like they're still holding on, but it's not going to work for much longer. Um, he makes an argument of how we need to come to terms with how nature or with not how nature, with how technology affects us, which is true. Like we talk about that. Like we have no idea what the result of cell phones are going to be in a hundred years. Um, so that's where, like I finished this article and he said, we don't really know what to do. These are just all the problems that I'm seeing. And I think if we look to the church, there is a solution, right? There is an answer. Yes. That's, that's where I really wanted to land. It's like, that's where everybody who's seeing something wrong with the culture is like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Mm. What do you think? Because I have my idea, but I want to hear what your idea is. So I was talking about this yesterday in my in the final chapter of my moral theology class. And in the moral theology class that I took, it felt like more of a political philosophy, political theology class. That's great for you, though. But it turns out politics, politi- pol- politics, politics and morality are uh, inextricably connected. Oh! In- so, inextricably linked. That's what, the, that's what the term is. And we were talking about history, because history and politics are also inextricably linked and we were discussing the fall of the roman empire and what happened in the wake of the roman empire now i'm not a mike duncan fan so don't quote me on this but my my philosophy professor 
he was talking about what happened in the fall of the Roman Empire, and he was talking about the Holy Roman Empire, which is what we use to, to call... The, the Holy Roman Empire is the term that we use to refer to the Empire of the Middle Ages that covered most of Italy and up through Germany. And, again, this did not cover all of Europe, and England and France and, and Spain were not, were not married to the Holy Roman Empire, and the Pope did not run the Empire to dispel, dispel any ideas. There were, there were emperors of the Holy Roman Empire. They saw themselves as a continuation of the Roman Empire. They saw themselves, they didn't call themselves the Holy Roman Empire. They just called themselves the Roman Empire. And they saw themselves as a continuation because when Rome fell, the church was there to pick up the pieces. And we were talking about this and I thought, okay, what what better analogy for us than Rome? Mm -hmm. As much as I hate it, the only empire more successful than us and the only empire more pagan than us was China. the Roman Empire. Oh. <laughs> oh. I mean, and China's also more pagan and more successful than us, but that's neither here nor there. Oh, no, we're far more successful than China is in terms of what counts now as empire. What counts now as empire is cultural and technological output. I suppose, but give it 50 years, though. You think so? I really do. I don't know. I mean, I, I think the, what I, think, I see is China going this way, and what I see is America going that way. So, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I don't, there's nothing. There's something to be know. said for communist nations getting their comeuppance eventually. You can't keep you can't keep killing children and then keep succeeding. Like God's not going to allow that. You know, that's fair. But we both do that. I know, but we're but we're on the decline. You know, oh, is what fair. I'm saying. Yeah. Like culturally, like God yeah. is allowing America to self-destruct because we're such jerks. Anyway, but that's my point. I think I think that the the pieces of it can be picked up, and but if it only if if it can be saved at all, yeah. if it can be saved at all, and this is not this is not my opinion. This is historically this is what the church has done. Oh, yeah, and you can say whatever you want about the Inquisition. <laughs> you can say whatever you want about the Crusades, but. The Catholic Church saved Western tradition. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Catholic Church saved knowledge and, 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 and truth and beauty and goodness. And it stopped an invasion of nomadic tribes, which historically burn libraries, mm-hmm. which is fine. Mm-hmm. They don't understand. They don't, they don't they can't know that read. it's important. They're just, yeah, they can't read at least not that. They, the, the Catholic Church prevented an invasion of a nomadic tribe from taking down a civilization that ended up influencing us. And the Catholic Church saved that, and so you can you can like look back on you can look back on and sneeze at the Catholic Church and be like, oh, they were so medieval because that word apparently means like bad. backwards and, and wrong mm-hmm. and bad, you know. But what the Catholic Church did was important because it stopped invading nations from destroying something important, something that it saw as valuable, something that was valuable to the people because it was truth, and and all truth leads to God. Mm-hmm. And so, if we're going to do that, the Church can save it. That being said. The church needs to be saved first. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because right now, the church is as capital L liberal, not blue team liberal, but like the whole thing is liberal. Like the, the idea of a blue team and a red team is a liberal invention. Mm-hmm. I've talked about this before. Oh, yeah. It's the idea of a political compass is a liberal invention. <laughs> and it's something to box you in, literally, because it's a box. And... The Catholic Church needs to exist outside of it, and right now we don't. 
I think that's the first step to the Catholic Church saving anything. Mm-hmm. You can't save a ship that's sinking that you're on. <laughs> you gotta be yeah. you gotta be a bigger ship and come up and give the smaller ship a hug, and then pull them in. Yeah, you know, and just be like, "It's be all right. I'll take care of you. I'll bring you back to the shipyards and I'll fix you up because I'm a big boat, very helpful. I'm a big boat, very helpful. Not tugboat, big boat. but tugboat's tough. Uh, I yes. I agree. And what I think could happen, what could result, is that the church can be a place of that social order that's missing, of that social cohesion that's missing. It is Because it's, it's the one place where you have that kind of mass media, but kind of not, throughout the centuries mm-hmm. of you have a person, the priest or the bishop or even just the magisterium in general, right, teaching truths to a group of people those people receiving it and agreeing to it and living by it and having that in common with everybody around them like the deposit of faith the sacraments jesus christ all of that is in common to the people of the catholic church right like there is that cohesion there that lacks in the culture as a whole and i think the this is the problem one of the problems with protestantism is that you have instead of the the cohesion you've now split and you're basically like what happened to the to the blue church with from going from mass media to the internet is had happened from the Catholic Church to the Protestant Church going from the magisterium, the tradition, and apostolic succession to whoever wants to do their thing can do yeah. their thing. It's subsidiarity without solidarity. Absolutely. So I the the right the the red team is subsidiarity without solidarity. It's like we want we want individuality, we want freedom. Mm-hmm but we don't want to be one. Yeah. And then the the blue team is we want to be one. It's solidarity without subsidiarity. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no deferring to the states to, you know. I mean that's the thing. We we always talk about either, you know, universal health care from the federal government mm-hmm. or we talk about like each of us paying for it. Nobody ever talks about like what if the state I mean I, yeah. I, I maybe that's maybe it's just me. I'm an idiot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but can't like the citizens of Florida have their health care paid by the state florida, of florida like yeah. can that not happen yeah does or it have to be the federal government am i an idiot someone someone like, tell me i'm an idiot can we talk about like just regions be like okay the northeast part of kansas is gonna have its own health insurance based on the health care that they have available in that region like you know nobody yeah. ever nobody ever talks about a solution like that it's only it's only one or the other i think you're right that's interesting it's um, like we gotta hit it top down why well because i'm bernie <laughs> sanders and i approve this message uh and the top one percent of the top one percent owns 99% of the top 1% of this nation's wealth. We're going to do it very well. We're going to take what Canada did. We're going to do it here. It's going to be great. Is that your Obama? No, that's my Bernie Sanders. Oh. Talking talking in a softer voice. Oh. Because <laughs> I can't do Bernie yelling like you can. Uh, I got mad respect for Bernie Sanders. Like, not his ideology, but like him as a person. You know? Oh, yeah. I respect We've the crap out of that guy. Yeah. So... Back to the church. I think we have to combine your idea and my idea. We got to save the church so that the church can then step in to that yes. role of of providing the social cohesion that we're going to to lose if we yeah, don't and, do and anything. It can't be top down. Either. It can't be. And this is like a a vision that I wish I could share with people. And I think this is partially what the whole parish renewal thing is trying to do. I just don't know if they're actually doing it well at all anywhere. And so here's what we do. Here's what, okay. we do. here's what we do. 
we go we go to like the church nativity or some gigantic church and we say okay here's what we're gonna do everybody who is a registered parishioner and submits their tax returns gets free health care <laughs> and we start free health care at the parish level okay at a really big parish so we try it out how and then we get all these we okay. get all these people who are registered parishioners right and they have like they have responsibilities to the local parish because mm-hmm. they're parishioners. like they can't they can't not have those responsibilities right. but they can have free health care like they they can they can choose to be catholic mm-hmm. but they have certain responsibilities they have to go to mass mm-hmm. you know they have to they have to they have to agree to raise their kids Catholic. Got to tie all this stuff. Like that fit, that fits perfectly into the the free choice. Like if you want to be a part of it, you don't have to be. But if you want to be a part of it, here's what you got to do. Like that fits totally into the liberal model. Like you can go ahead and do it, right? We can sneak it under there. But it's it's actually it's actually distributism. Yeah. Like, can we actually can we actually do that? Like can is, we do that? We, like what can if we, you what and if we, I? Like, what if a church like what if a church like buys land? Okay, right, and it's like and that fits in like sneakily liberal, but now they own the land. Uh-huh. Okay, and they can they can say hey if you guys want to if you guys want to like build a shop here mm-hmm. like you guys put a shop here and you guys can run it and you guys can have most of the money, but you give us a little bit and then the church keeps doing that, and like then. That's fine, right? Because like people are like, but Patrick, but Patrick, isn't that just dishonest? Because the churches get get tax breaks. Well, churches don't get tax breaks on anything that's not a place of worship or a place of education. So don't come at me. But but that that's actually just distributism. What if we just did that? But it, but but don't tell me. But don't tell me. It's just, hey hey come here come here close come here close. No, not you them. <laughs> or the one person that's listening to this by themselves on their way. Like don't tell anybody. It's Why do people really not like distributism? People people really don't like. I I just think that's because they don't know what it is. That, that's probably but then if you but then if you tell them it just means the church buying land and providing health insurance that sounds pretty great <laughs> does that sound awesome <laughs> that sounds, <laughs> sounds really good like here's here's the thing people think people think the distributism is socialism but it's not it's not because it's not because socialism is one person owning everything and distributism is most people owning something whoa it's literally the opposite of can socialism. this work so I, I also so we're talking about it doesn't have to be top down does the parish have to be the entity that purchases the land. So does a parish have to be the entity that provides the healthcare or can it be parishioners who take it upon themselves? I'm going to buy this land and I'm going to give it to the church. I'm going to give it to the parish, you know, like why can't we do that? You know, cause I'm sure I think what you're, yeah. Cause, cause what a lot of parishes have these days is not money. <laughs> yeah, no, what I'm, what I'm saying, this is why we had to start with the rich parish. Okay, what I'm yeah. saying, cause this, this is, this is, the, this is the opposite. Cause it's like what, what you, what we, what may happen is a is a is a fiefdom yeah right where yeah. one person owns all the land and you have a sharecropper right where yeah, it's like bad. oh you give me you give me most of what you make and then you get enough to live right. on that's basically we don't want slavery that. we don't want that. what we're talking about is like that person the church gives the person that property like it's Thanks. theirs yeah but here's the thing it's not it's not theirs in the in the modern sense mm-hmm. it's theirs in the sense that now you are entering into an agreement where you have a responsibility to the local community and you have a responsibility to give a part of what you've made what you've made here to the church. So you're tithing off of the business. That's what it is. So ideally But they should also they should also be tax exempt though. Ideally should the Catholic Church This might get us demonetized. This this <laughs> might. Should the Catholic Church, let's say you're in a town, ten thousand people, right? Let's say five thousand people in this town are Catholic, right? This yeah, is just sure. an example. Should the Catholic Church own half the land in that town? No, that's exactly the thing. They don't. Well, not own, own it, but the should land. they do that thing that you just said for half the land in the town? 
I don't think it should happen that big that quickly. Well, not right, I mean, but like, is that is, the is that the end goal? You know, like no, no, no. We we can't we can't say this is the end goal because here's what will happen: people will revolutionize and try to get to the main goal quicker. quicker. Okay, so we can't That's say so we can so up, all we can do steps. all we can do is talk about distributism. But we have no idea what we're trying to do, ultimately. Okay, I guess that's fair. I think the, the problem is, the problem is we know what's worked in the past, yeah, right? Yeah. And that that's the point of distributism is that it's not it's not like socialism where there's never been a true socialistic state. We also don't live in a truly capitalistic state. Anyone who's telling you that is lying to you or not doesn't understand what they're talking about. We live in a managed economy mm-hmm. where there are government regulations that yeah, regulate Yeah, if we were capitalists, capitalists we wouldn't need the Fed, bro. Yeah. We wouldn't need we wouldn't, we wouldn't and, need and, the Securities and Exchange Commission, bro. Yeah, we wouldn't. And and here's here's the crazy thing about about um, everything everything. Oh, where did I read this? Oh my gosh, it's gonna kill me. Where did I read this? Oh, it was in a, in a book by John Madai. It's like the the economy, the crashes from uh, from eighteen fifty to to from eighteen fifty to the nineteen hundreds, and then from the nineteen hundreds to nineteen fifty, the crashes they look. It's 1900 to 1950. It's like an exponentially growth graph, but the 1800s to the 1900, 1850 to 1900 looks like a heartbeat. There's so many ups and downs in the economy because it's a because it's a completely capitalistic. And every time there's a boom, there's a trust break by the by the federal government. That's what they used to do. They used to break trusts. Mm-hmm. Teddy um, Roosevelt like was the trust buster. Yes, the yeah, trust buster. Much like my dustbuster. Anyway, is, so no, 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 my, me, my point here, okay, go ahead. the only reason I'm, I'm caveating this is because I don't want people to be like, oh, Patrick's fomenting revolution, which is something I've been accused of in the past. By whom? Uh, but for a completely different okay. thing. Uh, I was I was accused by the by uh, the administration at Franciscan University for fomenting insurrection. <laughs> that's who, that's what is they that said. when you stole that sign? No, no, I never stole a sign. A banner? No, no, I, I found, found banners banner. that somebody else okay, stole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I went on the golf course at night. Yeah. Which is which is like it's like a gremlin you don't feed them. Tell past me, midnight, tell me real quick. Tell night. me real quick how you fomented yeah. revolution at Franciscan, the most revolutionary. I went school. on the, I went on the golf course at night and I gave people the idea they could do it too. That's is that I really thinking. what it was? Yeah. That's oh, what okay. It was. I was like, that's the only crazy yeah. thing I've ever heard you do at Franciscan, other yeah, than yeah, win a dab contest. Um, <laughs> oh college! So this oh, is oh gosh! Now we are Luke and Gomer. We're talking about my days Franciscan. at Franciscan. So let me oh, let me hit you with this before we finish this topic because I this is another thing that I was thinking about the difference between yeah. a, an economy based on debt and the and an economy based on wealth. So okay, an economy based on debt and economy based on ownership or wealth, or is that the same thing? Wealth, wealth, as in okay. as in. So I've been reading a lot about architecture lately, right? One of the problems of one of the reasons why a lot of suburban houses all look the same is because all those houses are financed via debt, right? You are you're yes. going into debt to pay for this house and you're getting it built as quickly as possible because you don't have the money, but you need somewhere to live, right? Like that's that's why you you move into one of these homes, you know. Mm-hmm. In the past, you built a house with money that you did have. <laughs> Not not with money that you didn't have, which is a crazy yeah. it's crazy to say out loud. Crazy people idea, used right? to build things and buy things with money that they had, and so that's part of the reason why the architecture in in Europe and in the older areas of America is way better, way better. Oh yeah, because you it's something that you can take your time because you have the money and you can say I want it be to be built like a home that I want to live in. Yeah, you paid for an architect and they worked for commission because they built buildings yes. 
more frequently. They didn't just design them and scatter them across the city so no one noticed they were they copied and pasted houses. Exactly. You ever been in one of those yes. those houses where like there was one on my street that was friends? the same as my house. Like there were what? I think there were four or five houses, like three or four houses, like on my cul-de-sac when I was growing up that was just the same. And you would go to so I, I visited my friend once and like we went over to the next door neighbor uh-huh. and they just it was the same house but mirrored. Yeah. It was so freaky. it's weird. I hate it's it. It's really weird. Um, and so this is what I'm thinking is like a lot of people are in debt and debt is really bad because the borrower is slave to the lender. Right. That's in, that's in Proverbs, baby. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's Dave Ramsey, but go on. It is Dave Ramsey, but it's also in Proverbs. Um, Dave Ramsey's like low key, a distributist. Like he's so that, close. That's what I'm saying. So you, I don't think you should be in debt for a lot of things. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I just don't because if we're living with this model that we're talking about, right? If the if the church is assisting the economy of the place in which it lives by advocating for more just economic dealings, then you won't have you'll have more money being put back into the community uh, by the church. You'll have more people being able to being willing to venture out into business because they're saying like, oh, the church bought this land. They want to give it to me to start a business, or they want to give it to me to do what this thing, whatever it is, right? I feel like a lot more people are more comfortable confident and comfortable doing that than otherwise they might be and so you're assisting the economy you're making it more just and you're leading it to a place where okay we don't have to worry about paying off the debt of this land all we have to worry about is generating wealth and and distributing it literally like making it providing for my family giving a tithe to the church and then figuring out how we can help other people around us like that should be the goal. And I think that's what leads to better quality of life overall. That's what leads to better architecture. That's what leads to better art. That's what leads to better uh, family life, social life. All of those things is getting out of the, I just got to go into debt to some got to some bank versus I'm going to take what the church is offering me because somebody was charitable towards the church. And now I can, I can build something for my family and my community. Doesn't that sound way better? Just like on every single yeah, front. And not only that, the debt you're going into is pay the, the interest you're paying is to a bank. That's a national bank. Right. Cause you just took the first loan it's, you got not, cause you're, you know, yeah. you're a kid and you don't understand mortgages. And then your money goes to some national corporation that trades in the national stuff, like the New York stock exchange. And all that money centralizes to the main dude and builds their skyscraper higher while people are starving in your community. Whereas you could just get a loan from a community credit union, which, by the way, goes to your community. <laughs> and you could build up your community instead of a global bank. Yeah. But no one tells you that. But I just did. So now you're morally culpable. <laughs> <laughs> Am I crazy, though, about the, about the difference between the debt and the wealth? No, absolutely not. And this is... This is you. You sound like you sound like Hilaire Belloc right now. Hell yeah, dude! That's what I want. <laughs> right? Hell yeah, Hilaire yeah. That you sound like him right now because he brings up the fact that what you're doing when you go into debt is you're not borrowing from yourself. You're borrowing from your children. Mm-hmm. You selfish son of a gun. That's what he you says. You know, and it's like he mentions the countries that are going into these national debts. Like that's that's the only way that you can lower taxes and increase government spending, which happens. Mm-hmm is you have to borrow and you have to borrow and you have to borrow. And what you're doing is you're settling future generations with that debt. And here's the thing, no matter what we do, we're never going to get rid of that Mm-mm. debt. No. I mean, it, it's unless, not going to happen. Unless we have a Jubilee year and all debts are canceled, right. which would be... Debt, you know what? Cancel culture, 
Debts are canceled. Debts. Debts were Snapchatting underage kids. Debts are canceled. Was that was that too far? It might have been. This is good. Well, that was a reference to what that other it guy is did. A reference. But- <laughs> uh, these are all good things. Maybe I'll write a blog about all this stuff. Write a blog. Uh, <laughs> write a write a blog. Submit it to New Polity. Maybe I'll submit it to Focus. Do you think Focus Blog would publish an article about distributism? Do you think Focus, do you think Focus <laughs> will talk about like how Focus should buy parts of campus and set them up as communes? Actually, though. Anyway, uh, anyway. Doctor Ethan's dating corner. Absolutely, Doctor Ethan's dating corner. All right, you came to the right place, you ding dong. It's called communication, baby. <laughs> Welcome to Doctor Easy's Eighty Four. Okay, so we got we got a question and we got an update. Okay, yes, and update here. first. I love the updates. It's what keeps this show. It's what keeps this segment going. It's also what keeps this podcast from becoming a distributcast. Also, I just had an idea for another podcast. Uh, da- <laughs> Hi, Doctor Ethan and physician's assistant Patrick. That's pretty. One good. day I'll be an one day I'll be an X an X ray technician. I'll be a, I'll be a tech. Uh, I have a dating corner update. During lockdown, I, twenty one year old female, sent in a question about a guy who is my friend who liked another girl who I thought was really similar to me, and I was upset that he'd tell me about her but I couldn't figure out why why it made me irritated. Your advice was to look at myself in the mirror and admit to myself <laughs> that I like him, which I was too embarrassed for being called out on, on, the, on the podcast to actually do. And for a while, I kept telling myself, he was only a friend. He's only a friend. Mm-hmm. You say it long enough, it might be true. That's crazy that we, were so, short, that we were so right about something. Can, we just, right? can I just say that? That's wild. <laughs> long story. Oh, no, it wasn't that hard. Long story short. <laughs> Long story short, a few months later, he asked me on a date, oh! and now we are in a very sweet and fun relationship. Woo! Guys, we made we a relationship happen. If you get married, we get to MC your wedding. Do you hashtag, believe in miracles? Hashtag the crunch, the, mic? the crunch made me do it. <laughs> hashtag the crunch made me do it. Uh, we will fly out for we, your wedding. We will fly out for your wedding. Maybe we shouldn't We will them. accept any anything. money you want to give us. Maybe we shouldn't have rushed them like that. They just said it was cute and fun, not like the best thing ever. Every wedding starts out with a cute and fun relationship, Patrick. That's true. Can confirm. I am married to my wife. So, dating question for the podcast, in case you haven't recorded yet. You're lucky we haven't. Oh, yeah. I've only encountered two types of Catholic men when it comes to my personal experience of dating. Chads and virgins. He's either crazy scared and takes forever to ask me out, or he's crazy confident and tells me we're destined for each other, slash I'm his future wife, on the first date. Yikes. Can you explain the rationale behind both of these approaches, please? Yes. Pornography. I'm sorry. Go on. (laughs) All right. Next question. Uh, It's it's just a combination of too many men's talks or one too few men's talks, I think. (laughs) Yeah. It's a, it's a, this, Wait, that, there's no there's no there's no there's no solution here. There's no so, so, solution aside that these guys have heard too many men too many times. Jason Everett has come to their school with his big pecs and his said tight tight t-shirt. Tight, keeps tight getting t-shirts. tighter. And his pecs keep getting bigger. He keeps working out. And he his gets, kids keep coming. They just ha- keep coming. Having all these kids, he's lifting all of these novels. Not these novels. All these books. <laughs> the, the miraculous metal on his chest keeps getting bigger until he's, it can stop a bullet. He's bench pressing every single book that was written about or by John Paul II. Right? He's just getting huge. 
And yeah. he's saying things like, let me just let me let you in what women on what Jason Everett is saying in these men's talks or any man. You guys got to be men. Ask girls out. Get out there. If you like a girl, ask her out. Right. That's that's the main thrust of most. Yeah, can confirm. My friend did that at a Steubenville conference once. No, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. But my friend asked her. He asked her out by getting Starbucks in the hotel lobby. And, and nice. they had the barista write, will you go out with me on it? And that yes. relationship ended horribly. I so. believe that. Any relationship that starts at a Steubenville conference is just bound. That's <laughs> it's DOA, like orientation baby. weekend. It's not yes. a good idea. It's not good. So. It's because that's that is the main thrust of a lot of things, right? When when men are hearing this, is like they, they these people see the first guy, right? They see the scared guy, and they're like, "We gotta we gotta do something about this, right? We gotta let's yeah. let's empower these dudes, let's get them out there, let's get them failing, right?" Like so they radicalize them. So they they get a bit radicalized, and they're like, "Oh, I gotta ask girls out," which also means I'm dating for marriage, and I'm 15 years old. It's like okay, Ugh, woo! Gosh, like we you know, we lose we lose a bit of the prudence, unfortunately. Uh, what we what we gain in the confidence, we lose in the prudence. Now, on the other side, the other guy has got a lot of prudence, right? He knows that dating is for marriage, and he doesn't want to betray that. You know, like he he is super Catholic, loves the Lord, probably really likes you, but doesn't know if he's ready for marriage. Doesn't know if he wants to marry you. Has no idea if this is the right thing. Like genuinely, really wants to do the right thing, and is probably too scared. Um, because he, he knows that it's like supposed to be for a vocation. He doesn't want to lead you on. He doesn't want to mislead himself. It's a lot easier, a lot safer to just not ask anybody out. Um, so it's, it's a lack of, lack of confidence, um, and an over, over extension of prudence. And the other guy is a overextension of confidence and a lack of prudence, I would say. Yeah. I think, I think, I think both of those things can be rooted in the, in the misconception that, um, when you're dating, you have to date for marriage. Um, well, no, sorry, that's true. But the, uh, <laughs> the idea that you have to be ready to, that's what it is. You have right. to be ready to be married in order to date. You have to know that you want to marry this person before you ask them out. That's what it translates to. Yeah. And the person I got on a Twitter beef with would, the speaker that I got on a Twitter beef with would deny that up and down. And Chris I believe Stephonic? no, oh, that was you. That was me. Um, <laughs> and, uh, me and Chris go way back. I I, I have I have a he, you know his, he gave, he gave, his granddaughter. He, he's my he's my tight T-shirt guy. He hooks me up. Oh, uh, yeah, black T-shirt. He's like the Louis C.K. Never mind. All right. Uh, All right. <laughs> sorry, that was in, that was unintentional. I know. Um, so yeah, it's it's this because like when when you tell someone you have to be ready to, for marriage to date, one guy is coming up to you very confident that he's ready to get married. He's wrong. And then the other guy is very rightly tr- scared of that idea and mm-hmm. says, I'm not ready to be married, therefore I cannot date. And so this is this is why you have these two issues. And you can you can check out my Catholic match blog mm-hmm. coming at you in like mm-hmm. a couple of months about that one. Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry that this happens to you. Uh, there's just really not a lot of virtue out there for young men. So... Sorry. And that's not your fault. That's our fault. This generation of Catholics is responsible for this generation of teenage boys. <laughs> <laughs> it's our fault, personally, mine and Ethan, for not spending enough of our Patreon money on Facebook ads so that those guys listen to our podcast. What I'm thinking is... Share our podcast with a friend. What I'm So I, I want to do a couple of things. After this podcast is over, I want to go back and record something about our Facebook group. Uh, to put at the beginning of the episode because we forgot to mention. Oh, that's a at good the idea. Beginning of the episode. Yeah, yeah that's a good. So idea. if you're hearing this now, now, well, if, yeah, if you're hearing this, well, we can still talk about it now. Join our f- new Facebook group. 
everybody. Facebook.com slash group slash the crunchcast. Facebook.com slash group slash the crunchcast. It's going to be in the description. You're going to want to join. It's already blown up. We already have 80 some members, 90 some members. The goal is 80, 800 some members. <laughs> you've, you've heard about this before. The goal is to create a place for where everybody, regardless of if you're a Patreon supporter or not, can meet each other, talk about the show, share the ideas from the show, and just form good connections. And then maybe share your, your the best things that we say. And then we'll hear it and we'll, yeah, we'll feel we good. forget them. And we'll keep making the podcast. If you're a patron, this doesn't mean that we're not going to pay attention to you anymore. It just be- means you become our favorite children instead of our only children. And so <laughs> that means you're just going to get way more of our attention in the patron Facebook group. Yeah. Uh, plus any bonus content that we ever make, ever. My, noti- my noties are on for the patron group. That is the difference. I will be checking the regular also, group periodically. patrons have the privilege of suggesting questions, topics, comments, yes. those kinds of things for us to actually talk about. You, the hoi polloi, excuse me, hoi polloi. You don't say the hoi polloi because that's, it's repeating. Hoi means the. Um, anyway, the hoi polloi don't get to say <laughs> what we talk about on the show. But that's you. If you go to patreon.com slash the crunch, I mean facebook.com slash group slash the crunch cast. Slash group. Yeah. I'm very excited also, about yeah, the group. You can also get to it from our Facebook page if you go to like related groups. It's linked. So that's fun. But yeah, so it's going to be great. And uh, yeah, you'll get to see, I guess, what Phoebe looks like. Uh, you know, she's cool. <laughs> that's everything. Long episode today. Got to do a lot of editing. Yeah, we got a we got about a buck thirty here. Yeah, that means an hour thirty. My for room of smells like a sushi. But that sucks. I got I got a Dr. Ethan's dating corner right as we finish, but we'll get it next time. We'll get it next time. Get just we do better. Save it. Yeah, uh, gotta get it. Yeah. Oh, Pat- you gotta be quicker than that. <laughs> Patrick, do you have anything else for the people? For for the last time, please please be clear on this. I, Patrick Lawrence Nevy the Third, am not fomenting insurrection (laughs) thank you all for listening please pray for us we'll be praying for you and we will see you all next insurrection dang it When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.